All right, so for episode three of Broker Brett Radio, I got my baby brother on here, one of the uh, best natural salesmen I know, and he also, you know, sells cars, something I'm used to being on the other side of the table of, and he coached me and my wife through our last car purchase, and I think we kicked some ass, Toddy. Thank you for helping us save some money, and we won't mention me getting upset in the dealership and using an expletive. We'll leave that off the record. But, well, a lot right. of people use expletives in dealerships. doesn't necessarily have to be the customer. So it gets a little, it gets a little heated once in a while when you're selling cars or people are buying cars. Not heated, but people start to have fun, and once they get relaxed and know that you're not there just trying to screw them over, they'll their language will get loose. Everybody will get a little more loose. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to bug you because you know I do a lot of social media stuff, a lot of business to business sales, and it's you know months to a year. But like in your sales environment, it's that day. Like if somebody walks off a lot, like what's the chance of them coming back to buy from you? Well, they say it's something like they go to 1.8 dealerships before they buy, but there have been those cases where somebody will come see me on a Monday, and then two or three months later, they'll be like, do you remember me? And then they buy a car. That's cool. It's, yeah. No, I mean, but a lot of that's rare, but it happens. You know, good first impression. The one time I saw you just engage with the couples, I was leaving your dealership. Like, you know, you guys are fast friends, man. How do you create that instant rapport? How do you, you know, get to know people when you just met them? Well, the easiest way to do it is you just, you don't act like you're trying to sell them something at first. You just talk to them, figure out what they want. You figure out what they want, you can go from there. The hardest part of the whole thing is finding the right car because everybody pays the same for the car. It's just a lot of games and, you know, bait and switch and gimmicks that people do. We we are not the cheapest dealership out there. I'll be the first to say that. But if you're going to get better customer service, I don't know about you, but if you're spending Twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars. You want good customer service. You don't want some a hole acting like he's better than you. Yeah, and do you mind not selling the cheapest rides in town? And for reference, was it Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep? Dodge, Jeep, Chrysler, Ram, and it's not like it's we're marking anything up. It's just other people will they'll go a little bit lower than us as far as selling the car. But then once you buy the car, that's it. They don't help you out. They don't call you back. They don't do anything. You go to service here on your own. At least at our dealership, we take care of you from start to finish because we're built on repeat and referral. We're not built like those big corporate stores that have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing to just move a lot of units and not care about anybody or care about the salespeople or care about the customers. We care more about the long-term, you know, repeat and referral, not to sound repetitive. Yeah, no worries. And um, you're a really good salesman, just for reference. I know you went to your own horn, but you're always number one or two of, you know, a dozen guys. Does it make it easier to sell knowing that you believe in the product, knowing that your guys will be there for them if there's a problem, knowing that you'll be there for them? You know, kind of asking a leading question, but I know that's helpful if you, you know, you give a shit about what you're doing and you know you can back it up. Well, I think it's, it's more the fact that I know what I'm doing, and that's why I'm more than comfortable and able to help people out. It has nothing to do with anybody else because at the end of the day, I'm responsible for me and I have to hold myself accountable. Nobody else is paying my bills. So I got to make sure I do my best job and everybody else around me does their best job because I'm not the guy to yell at people. I go I go run around and help. I'm not about to go out to service and chew them out because they mess something up. I'll work with them and we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. There's no need to get a, get crazy on people. We just got to make sure we do the best job we can because that's how we get people to come back, both sales and service-wise. That's cool, man. No, it definitely helps you keep your head up. So when you see the customer, I'm asking this from your perspective right now, on the fence, maybe going to get a car, maybe not, if you feel like it's the right car for them, how do you move them along emotionally? How do you keep the deal rolling? 
Um, honestly, that differs from person to person. Some people need a push. Other people are there to buy and ready to rock and roll. It doesn't matter. It's more of a just keeping the deal moving as far as our process is concerned because sometimes we can get bogged down if somebody wants to take their time because some people they want to be in and out of there in 30 minutes that's just not possible other people don't care if they're there for six hours it's just kind of finding that right groove and right rhythm to make sure it goes smooth because you know I could go and buy a car and I know I'll be there for a few hours and won't bother me at all but other people go and they expect it to be like a, a transaction at like Home Depot where you got to find what you want. Then you might have to wait in line for a little while, but then once you're done, okay, well, I'm out of here. No, you got to, there's DMV paperwork. There's a whole bunch of stuff. I would say the fastest you can get out of a car dealership without starting anything before getting there, if you know exactly what car you're looking at, it's probably hour, hour and a half, just yeah. because of the paperwork and getting the car washed and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting you talk about getting the deal started ahead of time versus there, because I'm thinking about Carvana and they have like their car vending machine off the 405. So I imagine you could do a majority of that online, come get your car. And then you guys are probably doing the opposite where it's going from all in person to some online to the potential to do majority online. What if somebody does get the ball rolling or they have the process most of the way done online? What's that look like when they show up? Well, that's a different thing. I mean, uh, the whole, the whole Carvana thing for one is that's a bunch of nonsense. Just because of the fact that I guess car vending machines have been tried ever since the 70s and they never work. And the reason why is because you need a, that interpersonal communication to know who you're talking to. 99 times out of 100 people want to drive the car anyway. But as far as the internet, getting it all set up and ready to roll, I've done that before. I mean, I had a guy do that the other day. He was still at the dealership for about an hour because we don't print anything until the people get there just because we don't know. I mean, you could send your credit up, you could send everything, you could be ready, we can agree to everything, but people still might not show up. So you're still, there's still gonna be a little bit of waiting, but at the same time, it's not like it's gonna be all day or anything like that. I had other people on Saturday, we agreed to everything over the phone, they were out of there in 45 minutes because we had nothing else to go over. I had all the credit, everything else was lined up. We just had to figure out exactly how much down they wanted to do and if they wanted to buy a warranty. And after that, they were gone. So. You know, there's easy easy ways to do it, hard ways to do it, but a lot of times we won't commit fully to like gassing up and washing the car too until the people get there just because a lot of times people flake. So Yeah, insurance is kind of the same thing where we think below four hundred dollars on personal and below like thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred on commercial, you probably don't need a person involved. You know, people can get through it. And I'd compare that maybe to like, you know, renting a car or something, it's not that much of a commitment. But once you start getting to those big monies, like you need that that person to kind of help move it along. You know, people find anything to have some trepidation. Um, and, and for well, like buying, on the commercial on the commercial side of things, they do a lot of stuff over the phone just because they have a lot of repeat customers. So I mean, they're out of there in thirty minutes because there's no haggling, there's no there's no chit chat. It's literally they figure out a price over the phone, they get they submit it to the bank, they get it approved. Whoever's coming to pick up the truck for that company comes and serves and signs that truck's ready to rock and roll because there's no test driving there's none of that it's that's the different part of it that's what i'm jealous i always like b to i always like b to c i'll definitely do uh or sorry business to business i'll do business to consumer when i need to but that's why i love that kind of business lane a little bit cleaner um you coached me and jen perfectly through our car purchase a lot of it was research like knowing what we should be buying the car for knowing we can get from my trade-in uh, what else would you coach people when they go to a dealership? What are some like 
things that are in customers' minds that you think are really goofy, like my old idea of leaving a day and coming back, how you said that was kind of dumb. Uh, yeah, what are some things that people come in that are they're just off and they don't, you know, they just have wrong about well, what, what they should do? Everybody just thinks that they know everything about buying cars now. And the second you start acting kind of arrogant towards the salespeople, all salespeople, you know, sometimes myself included, are kind of cocky at times. And so if you start acting arrogant towards them, they're just not going to respond well and they're just going to not care. So I think the most important part is to make sure you find some transparency. Like don't accept just a, a Sharpie on a piece of paper. Ask for a breakdown of everything. That's number one. Number two, if the guy or girl or whoever is telling you, no, 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 uh, don't do this, don't do that, you know, just kind of ask them why, you know, ask them why. And number three, if you don't have your own financing and you can find a way to save a couple thousand dollars by using, you know, Chrysler Capital or Ford Motor Credit, whatever, do it and then just refinance it six months. Most banks and credit unions will refinance at new car rates at six months six months or 6,000 miles because they know that that's what people do now. It's going to save you money. Uh, yeah, you're going to pay a couple extra hundred dollars a month, probably the first four or five months, but in the long run, you end up saving thousands of dollars. So that's the best way to go about it because everybody wins in that situation. Oh, that makes sense. So don't be cocky, ask for wise, use their financing, then flip it to yours. Um, yeah. No, that's huge. That's definitely helpful. The financing thing is the biggest part because they'll be willing to give you more of a discount, especially on new cars. Uh, and they'll, you know, if you use their financing and go with it, and then you just refinance it after a few months and you're good to go. What are some, uh, what are some funny like industry things you've heard? What are some shady things that don't necessarily happen at your shop, but some other kind of bait and switch? Like, you know, the thing that got me a little livid when we were buying our car, I had a trade in and they put it, against the cost so it was like two thousand dollars less than the last minute the guy's like oops it's actually added so the price flipped four grand and i probably got more excited than i needed to we ended up getting an extra couple hundred dollars off the car but you know you said that was a trick you know the salesman told me he was only making a hundred dollars he said that was another trick what are some other things you see kind of out there in the industry not to bastardize it too much i know there's good and bad players but what are some other little red flags you've seen they'll advertise uh, $10,000 off a car, then you go there and you have to pay for their $5,000 protection package. You have to finance through them at 7%. You have to put X amount of dollars down. You have to do this. You have to do that. If you don't do, if, if there's one of those steps you don't do, you don't get the car and you don't get it for the price they say. What they do is they get you in there. And then like, if you were to walk in and say, oh, I'm just test driving today. I'm going to finalize my decision tomorrow. They, no joke, have an area where they go, oh, go sit there, wait for the test drive specialist, and they just let people sit there until they leave. You know, they they are the epitome of the plaid suit and pink earring game these days. Yeah, it's Other pretty than that, it's, Yeah, then there's, like, used cars that they'll switch people on. They'll be the old, you know, advertising car that they don't even have just to get people there. And then there's always the, the whole, uh, you know, put a Jeep out there without the price of the lift on it and then add in a bunch of money for a lift later. Yeah, the one yeah. that I've seen before too, the old school newspaper ad with the one really cheap car, but then they have it hidden in the back and you have to like find the VIN number yourself was like the old school one. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's the lost leader. But now the other dealers like them and you can look at their Yelp. That's the other thing too. With car sales, 
I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Yelp with restaurants and everything else like that. I like to make my own decision and see how I like the food, so on and so forth. But with car sales, you can definitely check the Yelp because you'll know at that point. I think I hear my little Florida in the background. I hear Bronco running around out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the corner of the backyard. He's in the opposite corner barking and somebody walking by. All right, all right. And for our for our listeners, Bronco's a, what is he? We don't know what he is. He's a street pug. He's a, he's a rescue. He's a, he's a, He's a pug and Russell Terrier. There you go. That's right. We did the uh, 23 yeah. Me pug edition. Um, so he's Chinese and English all at the same time. So the last weird one on the car industry is those really cheap lots that do their own financing and then repossess the cars and resell them. I think that's the that sucks. You know, I think that's the far end of the spectrum of like kind of predatory well, stuff. Those are what we call sled lots. You never, ever, ever, ever want to buy a car from those. And the main reason is because the cars, a lot of times, will be like junk cars. They'll be, you know, lemon law buybacks. They'll be something that they just got from the dealer. Like we took a truck in on trade yesterday that has a sensor that's wrong in the transmission. All they have to do is plug in the OBD reader, reset the codes, it'll reset the check engine light, and then they can sell it. There's nothing illegal about selling it, but they can do it because it has 70,000 miles and it's a 10 year old truck, so that's low mile. You know, there's, those lots are awful. They're, they, prey on people they'll take people with terrible credit they'll finance them at these terrible banks with like stupid high interest rates and then they'll just like you said repossess the car and on the interest rate thing a lot of people have to realize if they're a first-time buyer they have bad credit their, their interest rate is going to be like a credit card it's going to be in the 15 16 17 18 19 20 range but that's not a forever thing you can refinance that too it's just you have to you have to realize that not everybody gets zero percent. Not everybody gets three, four, five percent. So oh, that's fair. That's also something to keep an eye on. And then the last one, I think this is a whole range. It can go good, bad, or indifferent. Just buying cars from private owners. Any any tips? What to look for? Maybe take it to mechanic. But if you're going to buy something off somebody on Craigslist, any any advice there? Maybe get a Carfax. I don't know. Well, Carfax is the biggest thing. Make sure you do that. If the people are cool with you taking it to your mechanic, one hundred and ten percent do that. Um, whenever you buy a used car at a dealership, ask for the Carfax. Do not buy it without that because they can do a lot of janky stuff. And then also run your fingers on the paint, on the fenders, the hood, and the top of the car. Because if you feel any rough patches, you can tell it was uh, repainted. And if it's repainted, then there's, that means that there probably was an accident. And sometimes it's not reported on Carfax, so you got to be real careful about that. Yeah, so for the ignorant, I mean, I've worked on cars, I love cars, but you want to avoid cars with collisions, anything with like water damage, what are some other big red flags if you saw it on Carfax, you're like, you know, do not pass well, go. Well, if you saw a damage report on a Carfax, now what they do is they tell you where it was, so if it was like a truck and it's in the truck bed, who cares, but any accident reported, any frame damage, any collision reported, anything like that, stay away, like my boss bought a uh, an Escalade that had 13,000 miles on it. They never disclosed that it had an accident. And then he found out later that they did. So he ended up suing them and getting that all taken care of. But the reason I bring that up is because it had transmission and alignment issues because of that accident. So he thought he was getting a good deal. The, the people at the, it was a respected Cadillac dealership, but they tried to pull a, a shady move and he got a hold of a GM corporate and everything else and ended up getting the car basically even though he bought it pre-owned, got it basically bought back, but GM corporate helped him out and went, took him to another uh, 
Cadillac dealership and got a, a new one for basically the same price as the one he paid for the used. There you go. Um, and then the last one I'll just throw out there is salvage title it means basically the car was totaled and they put it back together. So if you're buying a salvage car, you better be paying like pennies on the dollar and know that you're probably buying a little bit of a, a lemon time bomb, right? If you're buying a salvage car, it should be like $500. Those things, you don't want that because that can mean anything from it was underwater in Hurricane Katrina and then it got shipped out here and somebody literally just kept like the frame and then put everything else together to it was smashed up completely. We had a guy try to trade in a salvage title car with that people died in an accident in it kind of thing. Like that stuff is disclosed. So don't buy salvage title cars unless it's going to be like a funky junk car that you're just working on as a, as a project. All right, that's fair. All right, Toddy, I'm going to bug you to clean up your LinkedIn and we'll, we'll tag you on here. So Todd Fulmer, McPeak Dodge, Chrysler, Anaheim. Uh, what is it, Jeep, Anaheim? Um, yeah, man, thanks for breaking it down. We, uh, we've had a lot of people listen from Orange County so far. Some people throughout the country, but I'll tell people they can bug you too if they're, they're buying cars and need some advice. Yeah, I mean, at, at a, if they're buying cars and need some advice, if they want to come check out our cars, just come find me. I pretty much live there. Uh, I'm there all the time, but uh, Mondays I'm not there, obviously, so we'll go from there. We got to figure out how to make some money so I can buy Jenna's sweet Jeep. Yeah, she's got her eye on one. You'll know, you know we're doing all right when you see the 4x4 the four four on Instagram. You know, we've made there it. There you go. All right, brother. I appreciate you, man. All Thanks right. for coming on and talking shop. Yep, it's fun. Later, brother.